What are the competencies of an entrepreneur? And if you knew what they were, how would you measure them? How would you recognize the hard data versus the qualitative experience of impact and of quality and of worth? These are all the questions that I'm dying to talk with Scott Miller about. Scott has been talking with us on this special series of Game Changers in conversation with Phil Cummins. We're looking at social leadership and entrepreneurship. Scott's a great model for entrepreneurs everywhere and he's sharing his time with us yet again. I can't wait. Let's go. Scott, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm fabulous. It is a brisk Tuesday in Brisbane. Um, and no, it's fun. We've just kicked off term three and it's looking like a very exciting second semester. So I'm good. Been having some fun conversations today. Excellent. Excellent. Talking about energy, because it seems you've got enough energy to power a renewable energy <laughs> supply for a small Eastern European country. So talk to me about energy and its role in what it is that you do. Absolutely. So I think energy is absolutely key. Like I always say to young people, um, or really anyone, like when it comes to having conversations, the sort of energy that you put out is the sort of energy you get back. It's a little bit cosmic. Um, but I think it's just, it's like if you go in and you're really happy and you're excited and you're passionate, the people that you're talking to can't help but feel that same sort of energy as well. And I think for me, like, yeah, I am a very energetic, very bouncy person. And I think a lot of it just comes from how passionate I am about the work we do. Like I've always been a very happy person, but I think it kind of hit a new level when I found myself in the education space. And a lot of this energy sort of comes from like when I just think and have these conversations, it kind of reminds me that really anything is possible. Like anyone from anywhere at any age can go out and they can make a difference and they can really change the world. And I think I just think about all the impact that we're making and all the amazing stuff happening around the world. And it just gets me so inspired and so excited um, again and again and again. Um, and that's where a lot of my energy comes from. So optimism and energy and passion. Do you think you can measure those things? Oh, it's so tricky. And I think if you ask the NAPA coordinators, they might have one view on it. Um, but I think I'm very much someone that I love to look at growth as opposed to outcomes. Like, I think even when it comes to assessment items, like if you're looking at a student's, like you might have a C-level student or a B-level student, but you might see their, their growth while doing a program has just been phenomenal. Like their horizons have been broadened, their outlook has changed. And I think that's far more important than the quality of work that they put out at the end of the program. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because at some point the outcomes have to be measured, but the starting point is the starting point and the finish point is all about the growth along the way. And I think, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's what we at Circle, we, we would talk about the notion of the pathway to excellence, which is all about the study in building your character and competency and wellness and a process or a journey along the way. Journey is a word that I, I, I struggled with because it carries with it all sorts of connotations of the 1970s and sort of American rock bands who I didn't like. And, you know, it's just sort of, but there, there is something in it, isn't it? There, there is something in mm. that notion of travelling and the process of travelling helping you to grow along the way. If we can spend the next wee while just pulling apart some of this notion of the measurable versus the non-measurable, when we started this series, I referred to you as a good person and as a future builder and as a continuous learner and unlearner, as a solution architect, as a responsible citizen, as, as a team creator. Now, that's what our research would say are the graduate outcomes for 
people to thrive in their world today. That's that's what all education systems should be trying to do. And we've we've deduced that now from nearly a decade's worth of work and hundreds of thousands of kids and countries all over the world through the studies that we've done. You're working out of Queensland, the great state of Queensland. I was I, I was fortunate enough to live there for five years. And, uh, and then when my time finished, they put me on parole and said that if I was well-behaved, I wouldn't be allowed to leave. But uh, no, no, it was just great. I lived in, uh, I lived in East Brisbane. It was, a, it was a wonderful place to live. The Queensland curriculum talks about 21st century skills and it talks about entrepreneurship. It talks about innovation. It talks about being a responsible global citizen and it talks about being a lifelong learner. Let's tease those apart mm. and talk about your understanding of those and let's start talking about how serious we actually are about teaching these sorts of things in schools. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting one. Like I must admit, I did a little happy dance when I saw um, the Queensland Curriculum and Assessment Authority put that out. Cause I was like, that's exactly what our students need to be. But then I think what we've seen over the past two years since they've been rolling it out is a lot of head scratching of like, how do we actually teach this? And especially from teachers looking at like who who's responsible for this. We're kind of seeing the humanities department pointing fingers at the science department, the science department pointing fingers at the department and so on and so forth. And I think that's where a lot of it, and then because of that, all of that finger pointing, it never actually really gets done. And that's where we found a lot of our work has been over the past 12 months, just helping schools figure out how the heck do we teach these different things. Um, and I think it comes back to the whole idea of, being an entrepreneur, like starting with entrepreneurship, like entrepreneurship isn't you're going to graduate with every single year 12 student running a multi-million dollar business by the time they graduate high school. Like that's not every student in Queensland being an entrepreneur. I think it's every student in Queensland having entrepreneurial skills. Again, remembering that entrepreneurship is a vehicle for critical and creative thinking, working in teams, de delegating roles and communicating ideas. I think innovators, it's not necessarily that every student started the next Facebook or Microsoft by the time they've graduated year 12. So every student feels comfortable thinking outside of the box, thinking differently um, and using that whole idea of learning, learning through failure, because that's what innovation is. It's trying stuff, it's seeing what works and seeing what doesn't, but learning in the process. I think global citizenship is more important now more than ever. Um, there's this quote by... Um, by Jane Goodall that I absolutely love that says young people when informed and empowered when they understand that what they do truly makes a difference can indeed change the world and it's my absolute favorite and I think 2020 has been such a testament to that we've seen this year young people across the country and around the world coming together being informed and being empowered and really making change and I think that's so important we need to realize that Australia yes we're in the middle of nowhere but we're, our world is so connected and smaller now than ever so our students need to be global citizens. And I think finally, the lifelong learners are so essential. Like the recent studies are showing that graduates today are going to be changing careers every seven years. And if every seven years you're changing careers, it's not necessarily about going to university and knowing the content inside out. It's knowing how to learn and how to adapt and how to develop, build and master new skills. So I think that's kind of my interpretation of those four things, entrepreneurship, innovation, lifelong learning, global citizenship. Whilst I think they're fantastic, I think it's about understanding that it's not the sole responsibility of one department inside your school. It's a collective thing. It's cross-curricular. It's project-based. And no matter what age group you teach, whatever subject you teach, it's your responsibility to be looking at how can I teach students to be entrepreneurial, innovative and global citizens in my, or in my subject area and in my classroom.
So I think we've got a fair understanding of entrepreneurship now from our conversation. Mm. And part of that challenge around entrepreneurship is, is perhaps the different trajectories of someone who is learning to be more entrepreneurial as opposed to someone who's going to be an absolutely high-flying entrepreneur. So it's, it's something that can improve the quality of anything that you're doing or it could be a career path in its own right. I think we've started to, to, to pick up that notion of a lifelong learner as well in our conversation and look at the way in which you approach learning and what helps you learn and what approaches help you learn uh, along the way. I'm interested in the notion of a responsible global citizen. So tell me what a global citizen is in your mind. I've, I've got a pretty clear picture of what I think it is, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what you think. So I love the idea. I'll actually bring this back to entrepreneurship in the startup space. Um, so in Australia, we have this thing called the New Zealand mindset in the startup space um, where, I mean, essentially what it is, is we find a lot of startups in Australia. They kind of think, look, we're in Australia. Australia is a massive country. It's a big enough market for us. And we're just going to think nationally, like we're just going to be an Australian organization. Whereas the New Zealand mindset um, in New Zealand, they kind of think, look, New Zealand is a tiny country tiny population, we've got to be global from day one. Um, and that's what the Australian entrepreneurs miss, that Australia, whilst we're a big country in landmass, we have the population of 24 million people. And that's the same as one city, Shanghai in China. Um, so it's thinking global from day one, understanding that we're not here on this island by ourselves. It's understanding that our habits and our choices and our decisions have ripple effects around the world and the whole world is so interconnected it's the ability for a student if they're a responsible global citizen to be thinking about um issues on a global landscape not just on a national or a community-based landscape but also to understanding that we live in a global economy where if i'm a student in a classroom in melbourne I can jump on a zoom call or a skype call with a and i'm learning about say science I can jump on a Zoom call with a scientist in Germany or a um, researcher in Macau or a um, expert in the field in Portugal. And that's possible, like at the click of a button. Um, and I think that's what responsible global citizenship is. It's understanding that you're not isolated in your country. Um, we live in a very interconnected world. You need to understand and respect different cultures, but also to take advantage of connections around the world. So there's a, there's a global mindedness which is very deliberate and very intentional around that. There's a connectedness in what it is that you do. There's a capacity to see the whole world as something that could be your playground. Now talk to me about the citizen bit. You talked about students making a change. Tell me about what that is. Yeah, absolutely. I think being able to make a change, it's thinking about what do and don't you like in the world and actively working to make the world a better place. I think what we've seen is young people today, it's not just me, like I think it's our whole generation, Generation Z, have under, understand just how broken the world is. Um, like I was reading a McKinsey report the other day that said young professionals under the age of 30 are willing to take up to a 33% pay cut to work for a company or a cause that they truly believe in. And I think our generation is very much that generation that are focused on solving some of the injustices in the world today and we're willing and we want to work for organizations that are actively working to support communities support countries and support our world um and it's understanding that even we've seen like in the latest black lives matter movement it's not just isolated to america this is happening around the world um 
And I think we're seeing that again and again and again with different movements and different changes and revolutions around the world is they're not isolated. Everyone, everyone in the world is able to have their say and make a change in their life that can have those ripple effects around the world. And that's, I think, where that citizenship element really comes in. It's understanding that we're part of a global community um, and what's happening in America affects us here in Australia. What's happening in Australia affects people in the UK um, and the whole world is so interconnected. But I think with that as well, it encourages students and that global citizenship element is understanding that you need to understand and respect different cultures, um, different people and different backgrounds. There's a lot happening in there, isn't there? But, but fundamentally, at the heart there is the purpose thing. Again, and it takes us right back to the start of our conversations with each other about that notion of having a purpose that is bigger than yourself and that it's not simply about yourself. So I think that, I think, I think that becomes quite an important thing, even if um, perhaps over time you might end up realising that not all of the world is solvable, but you're at least having a crack. And that's an admirable thing, isn't it? That's an admirable thing. I do like it very much. I'm interested in how we help education to think in a more entrepreneurial fashion because education itself is the major systems within education are designed not to be entrepreneurial. They are designed to replicate that which is known. They are based on order and predictability they are based on an entirely controlled outcome. And yet everything that we've learned about you and everything that we've learned about your world, that you, you are you know, succeeding and God willing, you'll go on and do a whole lot more of that in, in the future. It's the opposite of that, isn't it? Like, you know, it's, you're, not, you're not sitting in some little dinky pool dipping your feet in. You're, you're riding the surf, aren't you, all the way through. How do we help education to think in that way, to feel in that way, to feel comfortable riding the wave? Oh, that's such a good question. And I remember it was probably one of the biggest challenges I've had since starting our work in education space was rocking up at schools as an 18-year-old being like, yep, I'm fresh out of year 12, but I'm here to teach your students. And I remember seeing the look on some teachers' faces as they popped in to supervise the workshop going, oh my God, you're what? You're doing what now? And yeah, I think it's so true. Like it's the education system is engineered in such a way that it, kills at the end like at the end of the day quite frequently and quite often it kills entrepreneurship and it kills creativity and it kills innovation and I think it's what really frustrates me is we see it so much in primary school primary schools are so great at getting kids to think big think different the sky's the limit be creative and then as soon as kids hit high skill high school it's killed straight away like you get into year seven and you're a sports kid you're an arts kid or you're an academic kid and then as you go from year seven to year 12 you get more and more and more refined where you're a year 12 student that is advanced mathematics and physics like that's your thing um and i think that's what frustrates me so much about high school education in particular and I really love the whole idea of actually multi-potentiality. Um, there's a fantastic TED talk on it for anyone that hasn't seen it. If you just type in the rise of the multi-potentialite, you'll find it. Um, I'm sure we can probably link it in the notes. And the whole idea of multi-potentiality talks about the power of having interest, diverse interest areas and diverse skill sets. Um, and it talks about how true innovation is really made. If, Like I know even for myself, I, in year 12, um, studied... English, math, drama, music, chemistry, and economics. And I remember sitting down with my careers counsellor and they said to me, this is Scott, we've never had a student with that subject combination before. Like, that's weird. And whilst I thought I was weird at the time, I realised now I was a multi-potentialite. And that's where the true innovators are. They're bringing together 
seemingly disconnected ideas and disconnected thoughts and bringing them together into this melting pot to get true innovation. I think though for educators wanting to be entrepreneurial and be different and try something new, the I think the best thing that I found, the best tool is backing it up with industry support. At the end of the day, you can't like, we're preparing our students for the workforce. And if you have statistics or studies or like someone from the industry to back up your decisions, um, then that's how you can really start to try some new things. And for us, it's been through our corporate partners. Like we've got some amazing partners at Singapore Airlines, Virgin Australia, um, Rio Tinto, Accenture, um, RACQ and all these other organisations that do some amazing work across the country and globally. And it's always backing up saying, this is coming straight from their mouths um, and this is what we need to be teaching our kids. And we keep hearing the same things again and again and again. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting challenge, isn't it? Because you've got teachers who are working very, very hard and demonstrating at the moment right throughout the world that they've got great adaptability, but the systems themselves aren't necessarily encouraging the specific approaches that give you the flexibility and give you the uh, capacity to personalise the experience, I think, as, as, as much as you might want to enable the creation of people who are genuinely entrepreneurial around. I want to talk about innovation with you for a moment because it strikes me that the innovation that you're doing is less in the product and more in its application and context and, and the process that you're following around there. You know, we start with key rings, which, you know, yeah, good on you, good on you for doing key rings, but, but that's not earth shattering stuff, is it? But what is dramatic is what you're able to make of that opportunity. So the opportunity itself, because, you know, again, the opportunity itself, it, it, it might not be something that's entirely unprecedented, but it might be a space that you can go into and do better than somebody's done beforehand. Tell me what that's like for you. I heard this quote that I absolutely adore that says innovation is regional just because or circumstantial just because it's been done before in Silicon Valley or in London or in Tel Aviv doesn't mean it isn't innovative when you implement it in your community. And I think it's something for a lot of listeners to keep in mind, like you can, people can, are quite often to shoot down your ideas being like, oh, it's not innovative, it's been done before. But I think the approach you take and the community and the circumstances you're doing, implementing that in, it is, it can be quite innovative. But I think the whole idea of innovation for me has been continuing to push the boundaries whilst, yeah, selling hearings as a 14 year old is not innovative by any means. Like it's a very standard sort of product. The like I was very much pushing the boundaries and stepping outside of the norm by doing that. And I think that's where innovation isn't necessarily, firstly, it's not constricted to tech. Innovation isn't building a new app or building a new iPhone or anything like that. And also too, innovation isn't necessarily business focused. It's not building a new product or launching a new system. Innovation in education could be something as simple as building and launching a new program to try with your students that might have never been done before or might be something that's very new and very different um, and goes against that grain. Um, so I think, yeah, innovation is very much circumstantial and it's important to remember that. How do we protect innovation? To innovate, to do something new, makes someone vulnerable and makes them open to that attack of it hasn't been tried before or even worse. Oh, we tried that once and it didn't work. So what... 
and you know, and oh, do we really have to do this? And look, maybe we can do it after we've done all of this other stuff. How do we protect innovators? That's a really good question, and it's something I think we see a lot. Like I've got a lot of friends that run other ed tech companies and other companies trying to get into schools, and that's the number one pushback they get is yeah, schooling system saying, oh, but we just, we don't have time right now. It's too risky. Everything like that. And I think for us, like actually, funnily enough, at BOP, we found ways to be innovative inside the schooling system by almost Trojan horsing it. Um, we started doing workshops. Now, every, pretty much every teacher has had a workshop, like hasn't had an external provider come in and run a workshop in their school. So that's fine. Like they know how much they should be paying. They know what it should look like and how it should run and everything like that. So that's not innovative by any means. What we found is after getting into the schools, running these workshops, building those relationships, we can start to push the boundaries more and more and more with our programs and we can start to do more with these schools and it's kind of gotten to the point now where we're working with schools and running programs on becoming a digital influencer now we're teaching kids how to build manage and grow social media profiles um now this is something that you could never just rock up to a school that you've never talked to before and said hey we're going to teach your kids how to like become social media influencers they're like haha close the door on you um, but by building that relationship and showing them that you can do this very innovative program, it's something new, but also too, we're working with schools where we as externals are going in and helping them map their entire 21st century skill framework for their students from grade seven to 12. Again, something that as an outsider going in, you could never normally do, but we've almost been able to Trojan horse that by saying, Hey, we're just running some workshops. You know what to expect. So I think the thing for innovators is looking at, how can you, I always talk about the idea of a minimum viable product, find something, that's the smallest, most basic thing you can do with say a hundred dollars and grow it from there. Um, and I'd say that for any other innovators out there is look at how you can find something that's quite similar to what's already being done, but it kind of goes back to fill a conversation we were having offline around the iterative approach, just one iteration, like find something that's already been done, but just change it by one iteration and then just keep pushing and pushing and pushing because that's how I think the most effective and true innovations happen. So there's some very conventional thinking that sits in here, which talks about relationship and building relationship. And one can argue that everything in education starts and finishes in relationships and the values that they are protected by and that they foster, but also the value that a relationship brings into that which is being done. So, you know, you have to be able to demonstrate that there's a tangible value add along the way. You've been talking about several times, you sort of talked about inside the box and outside the box. What is the box? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think the box is as weird and as big picture it sounds, societal norms. Like what's, what's the standard? Like where is the bar at? And how can you continue to lift the bar? Um, there's this other great quote that I love that says, great things never come from comfort zones. Um, I think we as humans, we're always wired to sit inside our comfort zone. You do something, you get a certain result and you're like, yep, I'm happy with that. I'm comfortable. I'm going to put in that same amount of energy again and again and again. But I think where thinking outside versus inside the box really comes in, it's looking at how can I push myself outside of my comfort zone to grow, to do something different and to achieve some truly great things. Um, so I think that's kind of my definition of what the box is. Figure out where the bar is figure out where your comfort zone is. Your comfort zone is your box um, and how can you push yourself outside of that a little bit? What are the things that help you push yourself outside a box? I think it's surrounding yourself by like-minded thinkers, people that challenge you actually. It's that whole quote that you become the culmination of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are way outside of the box, it will encourage you to, again, just by that iteration, like 
um, iteration by iteration, just keep going a bit more outside of the box and continue to grow and develop. So we're, we're almost coming to the end of our, our conversations here. And uh, I'm feeling as though I've, I've, I've learned a huge amount around you and, and what you're doing in the space that you're operating in. And I can see all sorts of applications for teachers who are there thinking about how to get outside their box, how to grow into this sort of space. Because, you know, we've been, we've been thinking about 21st century skills since 2005 when 37 organisations got together and drew the sort of first map of what 21st century skills uh, might be and what they might look like and so on. And yet we've found it difficult to do any more than sort of sit them on top of the box and, you know, literally the first representation of the Australian curriculum showed key capabilities or general capabilities or competencies, depending on what they were calling it that year, sitting on top of the box. And actually, we want to get it into the core of what it is. I want to come back to the first set of questions I asked you, which were around, can you teach someone to be an entrepreneur? Or do you just get out of their way and let them fly and help them build opportunities and encourage them and set up debates when they're eight years old and do that sort of thing? I think that's a thing. I think entrepreneurship is not necessarily something that can be taught, but I think it can be nurtured. Um, and that's where I, any advice for any teachers, any educators, any mentors listening, is how can you set up and nurture those opportunities for students to experience something different, to encourage them to push, up, push themselves outside of the box, but... I think to show them that it's cool and it's okay and that there is a pathway for them. Um, I know for me, like I always see where I am now, I'm very much um, a sit between my mum and my dad. I actually, when I took my partner home to meet them um, a couple of months ago, I said to him, I said, right, you're going to like, you're going to be my mum, meet my dad. You're going to see, ah, I see it now. Um, like I very much get my work ethic from my mum. I've always seen the amazing things she's been able to achieve climbing the corporate ladder by working her butt off. I'm like, if I work as hard as my mum does, I'll be able to do what she does. But then I've also seen my dad who had a very, like he very much like worked for the lifestyle. And he always said work smart, not hard. But because of that, he was able to be home with my sister and I a lot as we grew up and has had a really phenomenal life. And he always, and I've kind of gotten my work, like my work smart, not hard from him and that confidence from him. And I think that's the thing for educators and for parents. It's about creating those sorts of opportunities for students, whether it's debates as an eight-year-old, whether it's travel, whether it's conversations about business at the dinner table, it's that nurture as opposed to that explicit teaching. And I think if you do get the opportunity, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurial skills are phenomenal skill sets that any students have. But I think if you're really looking to grow an entrepreneur, it's about creating opportunities to grow them as people. What about connecting them with people who can teach them the explicit things? So let's let's say that not a, yeah. every teacher has got all of that knowledge and knowledge set around entrepreneurship sitting there. Mm. Can you connect? Can you connect like-minded with like-minded? Can you find totally. those five people that you need around you to help you buzz forward? Totally, and I think that's the thing. Like what I love to see about education now is the whole idea of becoming a bit more outsourced. Like the teacher is no longer the gate the gatekeeper of all the knowledge, and we're seeing really innovative educators putting their hand up and saying, "Look, I don't know everything, and I'm not necessarily the best person to teach you about this, but I can connect you with different organisations, different people, different mentors, or different communities that are." Um, and I think for teachers that might have an aspiring entrepreneur in the class, like connect them with your local co-working space. There are co-working spaces around the world and they're set up to help nurture, develop and grow young entrepreneurs. Oh, 
to grow entrepreneurs of all ages. So try and connect with them, connect them with different mentors, like jump on LinkedIn and use your network. If you put the call out, I think what we've really seen is that organizations, individuals, and everyone in between want to support young people and they want to see young people succeed. Um, so if you have a real go-getter in your class, don't be afraid to put them out into the world. Um, find them some connections and show them the amazing things they can do and find, like connect them with the people that can help them develop those skills. Scott, I think that's a fantastic place for us to finish. Um, well, I've really enjoyed the masterclass that you've been giving in how to do this entrepreneurship thing and to go out there and make a difference in the world. I really, really appreciate your, your time, your willingness to share with everybody uh, and your honesty and your energy. Um, so good luck in what you're doing and, and, and we'd really love to stay in touch. It'd be fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Phil. It's been such a pleasure. I think there's so much amazing work happening out there, inspiring and empowering other young people. And anything that I can do to help educators, parents or teachers um, do some really amazing things and uh, develop their 21st century skills, I'm always happy to. So if anyone does have any questions, um, you can always find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, any of the socials. Um, please hit me up. I'd love to hear about the work you're doing. Fantastic. Take care and we'll talk with you soon. Thanks, Phil. Bye. The Game Changers podcast is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and supported by Circle, the Centre for Innovation, Research, Creativity and Leadership in Education. Go to www.circle.education. The podcast is hosted on SoundCloud. It's distributed through Spotify, Google Play and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends you like what you're hearing.